Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vertex Assemble. Vedic Collinson. And I'm Vedic Smart, and we are the Vedic Assembly. Uh, Yeah, so obviously Vedic Jackal is sadly not with us today because she's had, yeah, her subspace interference, as you say. She's gone on uh, communication lockdown, I guess, is what happens on Deep Space Nine. I don't know. I just watched the editing episode where we realize that he's actually Marquis and he puts the station on lockdown for nine hours. So I've decided that's what Brandy's doing. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's Marquis. Marquis Jackal. I mean, I... (laughs) Hmm? You, you, I mean, you're going to say you had your suspicions, didn't you? Hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, today, or should I say last fortnight when we were recording whatever episode we just put out, the Bajoran Torso one, <laughs> we were trying to work out what we wanted to do for today's recording. And we decided to let Siri decide an episode for us to talk about. And Siri decided that we should listen or talk about Season 6, Episode 24, Times Orphan. And I bet you're glad we didn't say Episode 23, because that's Profit and Lace. (laughs) You would not want to listen to that one. Mm. So we're going to actually do it as a commentary-style episode. So Nick has never done a commentary-style episode on a podcast before. I've done them on To The Journey a previous show on the other network with Suzanne for some Janeway episodes. And I really enjoy them because it means I don't have to do any work at the beginning of the episode. I can just watch an episode and talk about it whilst, whilst watching it. So, but this time we've gone super high tech and using Netflix party. We're totally not sponsored by Netflix party, but it'd be interesting to see if we can actually make this work because I'm not very tech savvy. Mm. It's, It's a miracle. I can edit a podcast. And I have never used anything like this before. Well, it just says that you've left. <laughs> right, because it was sh- it was showing the wrong episode for me, so I'm going to try... Oh, now you've joined, and you're buffering. Oh, it said you're buffering, Nick. Okay. There we go. Okay. Okay, so the Wikipedia synopsis for this episode is, While on a picnic, O'Brien's daughter stumbles into a vortex of swirling energy and is taken back 300 years. Now, I've only ever seen this episode once in my watch-throughs of Deep Space Nine because I'm, I'm pretty much on the side of, uh, this is a meh episode. What about you, Nick? Um, I have seen it a couple of times. Uh, I think I was kind of in the same mind. Like, it's not kind of one of the, one of the top episodes, uh, but I did... Definitely not one of the top no. But, I mean, I did rewatch it recently um, just in preparing for this week. And, um, look, I think it's it's got some merit to it. Like, it's not that bad. It does deal with a few interesting ideas. And there's a, there's some good bits of character development for um, uh, some of the different uh, characters who feature in it. It deals with a, a very uniquely sci-fi kind of problem um, and and tries to figure out how people would actually deal with that in a kind of realistic human kind of way, which is pretty interesting. 
and I quite like when they do this. You know, like uh, the visitor does that as well. The visitor does it better, but <laughs> <laughs> just a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, I think this is actually uh, probably a better episode than I than I originally gave it credit for. But let's um, let's try to get into it. And now, listeners, if you've never done a commentary before, we're going to give you a three, two, one countdown for when you to for you to play the episode at the same time as us to listen along with us as we watch the episode so we'll give you three seconds to (laughs) queue it up on your favorite device or just pause us whatever you want to do and uh yeah we'll go with that so are you ready dr vedic nick i think i am okay three two one go Oh, how peaceful, standing in bed together. Did you ever find Molly's voice irritating? Uh, a little. I mean, she's very, like, um... I feel like she's she's good for a child actor. Oh, she's a really good child yeah. actor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like run in, speak speak lines directly at parents, run out. <laughs> I really love Rosalind Chow as Keiko. I don't care what anyone else says. Oh yeah, she is. Again, like we like we said in the uh, in the puddle of a human being episode. Like she is a really great actor, and I think she plays a part well and did everything in spite of some pretty like terrible writing for the character throughout yeah i agree oh baby yoshi <laughs> yes you, you tell that child exactly how anatomy and that cat i don't remember there being a cat neither did i <laughs> like oh. <laughs> i also i kind of love that that the cat just jumps on the the picnic blanket. Just like no, just like lift it off. Because like there are some people I know who are just like really really sweet about their cats. Um, and it's like you know <laughs> you're trying to make the bed or something. The cat jumps up on it. It's like oh no, I can't possibly make the bed now. I'll disturb the cat. I was never like that at all. I was just like nah, cat, get out of the way, you idiot. <laughs> I do love how they're out in the open it's not often we see something out in the open yeah like very rare that you get like a nice big location shoot like this like i wonder where this is presumably it's all filmed in california yeah it's like malibu something or other oh yeah park hanahate who plays molly was saying that she used to go here as a child oh cool with her parents so she found it the most memorable episode for her to record oh cool she is someone who's now like quite active on um, uh, social media. media and stuff like that, and I think she's an artist. Oh, look! Let's let's get my child to go off without paying attention to her. Yeah, I mean, parenting. in in their defence, like this this reminds me of a lot of like you know picnics and or trips to the beach and stuff that we used to go on when I was a kid. Oh, here we oh, go. No. Yeah, a little like uh, we'd hang out like near the beach or something. My parents would just sit at a restaurant or, or something on the beachside or just like sit there on the sand. I would go and run off along the rocks. 
I would not be hiding behind my parents. Huh? Oh. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. We're into those caves that are in every episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, are these real caves or are they... Uh... No. It's just a set on the stage. Good God. Oh, dear. My child has just fallen into this. Oh, no. And then what a on. time portal. Imagine that showing up. Yeah. What a natural phenomenon to occur on a planet. <laughs> and the intro credits. These intro credits are annoying and beautiful all at the yeah. same time. I like. I love the Deep Space Nine music. But I totally agree with Brandy that the, just the time signature sounds off or it's the, I'm pretty sure it's, it's syncopated. So the notes are actually somewhat off the beat intentionally. Mm. I do love the, the intro sequence itself that they, like this version of it since season three or four when they updated it to actually make the station look like this hub of activity with all these ships buzzing around. Well, at the beginning it was meant to it was basically something in the middle of nowhere, wasn't it? And then and then it's become a hive of activity. So the change in the style of the music a little bit and the change in the graphics have made it a bit more or sort of followed the story of the station itself. That yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way to look at it. But also because CGI has got better. Just like, there's people. Yeah, that I love that shot. Just these two people, like, oh no, there's someone else as well. Just them, like, sitting there yeah. with little welding torches. I do like the idea that through all of this, um, you know, we see it a bit in Star Trek. They'll always have it when there's like a shot of like the the shipyards or something where they're building ships. There'll always be a little flash of like someone with a welding torch. There's part of me that loves yeah. that even in the far future, like that's still a thing. There's still like the welder there, like physically <laughs> just like welding these like plates of, of Durasteel or whatever it is together. Yeah. Now this is the standard Miles O'Brien suffers episode for season oh, six. Really is, really? Yeah. Oh, they've excavated that pretty quickly. I really like how I, I kind of want to go back and watch a few more of the episodes leading up to this with like Kira living with the O'Briens, um, like when she was carrying uh, Kiryoshi, like being mm. a surrogate for them, which was obviously such a like last minute thing that they wrote in when Nana Visitor was pregnant. So like, oh, how do we have this this character suddenly be pregnant? I mean, I thought that was a really good idea mm. the way they did it. No, it, like, they, they worked it in well. How sad does it make you feel that this is Dax's, like, second or third to last episode? Oh, my God, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. No, I forgot this wasn't a um, natural phenomenon. Yeah. Yep. He's just going to keep working on the problem, keep banging his head against it. We science it. We science it, yeah. We're going to science the heck out of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so much for my happy picnic. <laughs> <laughs> Bollocks! <laughs> I forgot he said that! Oh, of course he does! <laughs> 
Oh, bollocks. Uh, I mean, this I I like this about O'Brien. It's just like that's such a very real response. <laughs> it's very similar to my response when my when my monitor started blowing smoke literally the other day. <laughs> Imagine if this thing started like activating again and they all fell in. While you're it. while you're halfway through. Oh yeah, it's almost like a stargate. I was, that's something I always used to wonder about specifically with Stargate is like, what happens if it suddenly switches off while someone is halfway through? Haven't you seen that? It just chops their hands off and stuff. Oh, that does happen, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've watched Stargate Atlantis more, but. Yeah. That's probably time to rewatch that show. Oh, Odo. I forgot these two are together now. Oh, poor Odo. More ancient alien civilizations. Wow. No oh dear. It's pretty, um... Do they... I don't think they ever really go into how, you know, eight-year-old Molly actually survived. I don't remember. Yeah. Getting scared? Yeah. It's <laughs> just, just... I'm just I mean, getting scared. Things are fine before. Yeah, I, I like Lost that. Lost my child. It's all right. That, that does show that sort of... That confidence in uh, um, in her husband and in, like, Starfleet ingenuity in general. is just like, oh, I'm only just now starting to get scared. I, I was up until now completely confident that, you know, we'd be able to rescue her even though she fell through this mystery portal to 300 years ago. To an uninhabited mm. planet. Oh, this is such a sad, heartbreaking scene. It really is. Because, God, like, this this is something that's, like, that is very real for so many people. It's just, like, mm. you... I don't know. I... I can't imagine how this would feel. Oh god, that's a promise that you can't make. It means Molly's coming home. Sorry. Yeah, like I I even remember like when I was younger, like my brother or sister were just like a bit too late home from school or something. Your mind just starts catastrophizing. So I feel like yeah. I would be just completely the worst if i actually had kids and they went missing i think anyone would be though yeah it's like how how are you ever going to handle something like that well and uh-oh something's Molly. different oh do you reckon she, surely she would remember Keiko and Miles? I, well, like you because would think so. Eight. But then it all happened so quickly. And to have like lived there and had to survive on your own in the wild for 10 years. Like this You'd is. You'd probably forget and yeah. start losing yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think this is. 
probably exactly the sort of thing that could have happened. Like there have been cases in history of 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 children who were like lost in the wilderness or something and somehow survived and were in reality were never able to be reintegrated into like like the society that they came from. Most cases of this that I have heard about did happen like a few hundred years ago. So whoever it was actually trying to reintegrate them probably didn't have a very good idea about like our modern knowledge of psychology. No. it's it's amazing with this episode like the idea of like having to deal with suddenly your your child is 10 years older is is like the very like sci-fi root of the problem here but i feel like a lot of the other things that they're trying to deal with are, are very realistic having to try to like rehabilitate your child after they've gone through something traumatic Mm. You know, this was originally meant to be an Alexander episode in TNG. Really? Wow. Yeah. And it was a way to make Alexander a teenager, to bring him onto the show more permanently. But oh, right. Michael Piller did not want that. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I feel like anything like that to to suddenly age up a child character just for the convenience is just like... Mm. Mm. yeah it's just I'm kind of glad they didn't do that even though Alexander was already served very poorly on that show oh my god Worf like I will watch Kiriyoshi (laughs) I feel like this episode surprisingly does kind of paint Worf in a in a in a good light in a much better light than any episodes of him like being a father to his actual son yeah it's like (laughs) don't worry about Alexander I'll look after the one that's not my own (laughs) <laughs> I mean, also it's different because he really stuffed up with Alexander Worf. <laughs> oh, poor Worf. Lover's tear. God, I... I do like Worf and Dax. Like, they... There, <laughs> leave us. <laughs> like they're a nice couple, but I feel like being in in that kind of relationship where it seems like they just have argue, if not arguments, they just kind of disagree an awful lot, and that I mean, seems kind of exhausting. Yeah, I guess it would be. Are they just launched out back on? Oh no, they'd put her in the holodeck. Ah, uh, it's in the. Holosuite. You said that they've yes, yeah, the holodeck, or they've retrofitted. God, that really looks like astroturf. <laughs> Even though I know it probably isn't. Or maybe it is. Oh, like, yeah, gosh, it's just the cargo bay. That's even worse. <laughs> At least put her in the holosuite. Those rocks look so fake, though. It's like putting a pet. Like, 
creating a hamster cage for her. Mm. Yeah, it's like, surely they could have just gone with the hollow suite from the start. Mmm, Kalana melon. Yum, yum, look, if I eat it, you can eat it too. Mm. I love how... Um, Don't you use know, big, they, long words, Miles. They always, like, they needed something to represent some kind of alien fruit. So they presumably <laughs> just went to, like, the... I don't know, the like the local Asian market or something like that, and just got yeah. like this, this like dragon fruit or like something that is going to look really strange to a Western audience, but is actually just like a perfectly ordinary earth fruit. Like they didn't make some weird molded thing out of sugar or something like that. Well, I mean, that's what they do now, but like even in Voyager, like the Leola root, I'm fairly sure was just a ginger root thing. Yeah, or like galangal or yam or something. Or they could have just put food dye into it or something. Yeah. Who, who's the this actor playing older Molly? Um, don't know. Because she is she is very good at, at playing, playing terrified kind of, cave woman. Yeah, this this sort of animalistic mannerism, like kind of hunched over and defensive. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And she's got the facial expressions for it as well. Yeah. That's a nice touch. It's like she she remembers seeing us from like from this angle, not from where she is now. Mm. Oh, so what are we showing her? Too close. Oh, a doll. Oh, right, the doll. Little, um... I love how oh it's Oh my god, Bajoran. it's a Bajoran doll! Oh, I want one. It's also terrifying. That's... I, I mean, I feel like most dolls are terrifying in one way yeah, or another. I agree. <laughs> Those... Especially Chucky. Big, round, dead eyes. It looks a bit like Bajoran Chucky. Bajoran Chucky. <laughs> I hope we haven't just named this episode. Oh gosh, I hope not. <laughs> Quick, think of something silly. <laughs> oh, it's so cute to watch. Mm. This is more intriguing than I remember this episode being. I guess you get right? so caught up in um, Dominion War things and the Marquis storylines that you forget some episodes like this exist. Yeah, like it is. And again, a- it just shows Rosalind Chow's acting chops. Gosh, she's so good. This is a spherical object. This is a sweet little scene. It's like chucking the ball so around. tempted to smash it down and bounce it in Miles' face. And she just keeps it. <laughs> yeah. And you see that they've they've been trying this already, and she's just got her collection. <laughs> And again, it's like if you've been living on your own in the, you know, living wild in the forest, like you're going to have your little stash of things that. You would do, wouldn't you? So yeah. you can 
So I don't know exactly what they would have. Not quite sure what balls will do, but oh, I guess it's just like it's it's a thing that I now have. I don't know. I I have no idea what they would have done research on in writing this episode, but clearly whoever wrote this has a good idea of how a human might act if they've come from this kind of situation. I mean, it's there would like, be studies done on it. Yeah, well, it's almost like you hear these stories of um, of soldiers who came back from POW camps and stuff where you know they'd had to, like, steal food to survive and stuff. And still, yeah. like, at family dinners after the war, they just almost instinctively would just be, like, pocketing bread rolls and stuff. Because yeah. it becomes ingrained, this this instinct to to do that, to, to, to hoard away food or, you know, anything that might be useful. With Worf, this is exactly what I would be like with a crying baby. You'd be like, shut the fuck up, please. Yeah. I need to sleep. But at the same time, it's like, this is a problem I must solve. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I caught it and won the heart of the magnificent Jadzia Dax. <laughs> <laughs> He wants to put his two penises in her and create a baby. Why, indeed. Hmm. Bloody Worf always has to prove himself. (laughs) (laughs) Worthy. Look at her face. God. She's just like, Wolf, dial it down, please. What foreplay? (laughs) (laughs) Also, is that like a a fluffy, like, targ skin duvet? And pillow covers as well. Oh, that would be so. Looks like something out of 1573 instead of 2373. God, yeah. Be fur everywhere. Did they take? Are they still in the cargo bay? I think so. Oh yeah, they've moved a little couch in. I'm fairly sure the repair schedule can wait. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is what we get into as well, and we talked about in the O'Brien episode that. It, he is so much the kind of person who can't let anyone else do his job for him. Like, who will, yeah. like, never take a break. Because he's just like, no, no one else can do this as well as I can. Miles, you've got a whole team of really competent engineers who can fill in for you while you take a little bit of leave to be with your family in this wholly unprecedented unprecedented situation. Just, mm. just like... Do you think it's fair? You know how we've always had the Miles Suffers episodes? Mm. Do you think it's fair that they've made it suffer based on losing and gaining back a child? Like, is it a little bit too far for Miles Suffers? Or I mean, I I think a lot of it is is too far, and I 
I don't really know why it always happened. And I think it just definitely comes down to the fact that it's like they they wanted to do an episode about, you know, someone, you know. Oh, just going to, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Child pictures are always so shit. <laughs> well, they always look, I feel like you can shit, always they look tell. Crap. I hate them. And then <laughs> my, my niece gives me one and I'm like, oh, thank you for this, this, this masterpiece. <laughs> she drew one of me once and I had broccoli on my head. And she's like, that's broccoli. I'm like, why, <laughs> Alice? Why? Love it a bit, but Why? Uh, that's adorable i mean i think you can always kind of tell when a a drawing in a tv show or a movie or something is meant to look like a child drawing but is actually not drawn by a child because there's just something about the complete (laughs) randomness of something actually drawn by a kid like yeah what's this that's broccoli on your head (laughs) ah what was i saying before but yeah the baby's first bath acquitted himself well <laughs> hopefully we can screen cap that use that I, as the thing yeah. walk through the baby rattle I still definitely think that all of the like punishing O'Brien episodes came about because they just wanted to write that particular episode and yeah. couldn't think of anyone else in the cast for it to happen to. Like, he is just the kind of eternal sad sack guy. Oh, dear. No, she doesn't. Yeah, I mean, she does, but you have a very different idea of home. Well, it's better than being outside the hamster cage. Yeah. There is no grass, no tree. Well, (laughs) there's a bonsai tree. Hmm. Needs a bit more life. I mean, honestly, I feel like I'd go pretty stir-crazy if I were living just in, like, a box on a space station. I would probably spend most of my time in the holodeck just just with, like, a a great outdoors program, not even doing anything interesting. I mean, that's why holodecks exist. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're supposed to exist. Getting it on with randoms. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. Getting with randoms or... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, well, just think about... Because um, apparently just everything relates back to... Oh, my God. I love that the cat has a little Bajoran temple thing to, li- to, to live in. <laughs> but, like, everything just sort of relates back to the whole, like, pandemic and the lockdown and everything at the moment. Like, I, I feel like I'm doing, like... I always keep thinking like, oh, it's not so bad. Like lockdown is fine. Like I, I don't mind not going out because I'm at home. But then I'm like, well, like my home is in a really good place. I'm in the country. I'm surrounded by nature. And then I'm always like, no, mm. a lot of people are, you know, trapped in apartments with no like garden or anything. So, of course, people are getting like way more stir crazy. 
It's kind of sad that she wants to go back to the planet, but it totally makes sense. Oh, of course. Like that, like she was eight when she fell through the thing and is now, you know, 18. Like she spent more of her life on that planet than she did, you know, beforehand with her Mm. parents on the station. Like this basically is her home. The range of emotions on Rosalind Chow's face. I just think she's wonderful. Yeah. In fact that she's in Mulan as well, it makes me excited. Yeah. Oh, in the new one. In new Mulan, yeah. She plays, yeah. I think, the mother. Oh, cool. Hmm. At the moment I'm seeing her and uh, Denise Crosby and all these random things. I'm like, yeah. All oh, right. Well, I, I know that there's a... There's a new Netflix series called Ratchet, which is, I think, a remake of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with um, okay. that woman who was in every series of American Horror Story as Nurse Ratchet. So, you know, the role that was originally, um, oh dear, name has escaped me, but, you know, the woman who plays Kai Wynn. Oh, no, Quark. No. <laughs> Afternoon carnage. These Klingons want bloodshed. I mean, how do you... Because, I mean, Molly's not going to have any idea that that's a holodeck program. Oh, I mean, yeah, like... Talk about traumatic, seeing, you know, all of this just disappear around you. Hmm. I feel like they are trying their best with a very unprecedented situation, but, oh man, like this... I mean, that would be terrifying. This was kind of the worst way to do that. Yeah. It's almost like when you introduce someone that's pre-warp to warp civilization, you know? Exactly. Like, if... If you suddenly took someone off, you know, a civil a planet that had never had any contact with aliens and plonked them in the middle of, like, right here, like the middle of Quark's bar. Mm. Oh, dear. You know, everything suddenly goes from bad to so much worse so quickly. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, dear. That would be so hard to watch as a parent as well. Oh, my God. I, yeah. In a few days. Is this the first time we've seen Cisco in this episode? Yes. Yeah. It's always, it's always kind of nice to have episodes focusing on, on other members of the crew like i feel like because this is kind of in the middle of the dominion war we've had a lot of focus on the on the command staff and cisco and everyone and it's nice to get a little bit of like everyone else's lives and what's going on at the moment yeah see why would you press charges again i suppose she's 18 actually she's not exactly yeah true and it was saying that like whoever this guy is who was stabbed probably in the, I think he said, you know, we tried to explain the situation to him and he's not budging. I get the feeling that a lot of Quark's customers are like that. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, so they're taking her to jail special yeah i guess or like a special like starfleet medical facility like high security (laughs) to that erosion from lower decks oh my god (laughs) the the uss osler or whatever it is is on the way yeah (laughs) spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen lower decks (laughs) we haven't either because we're in australia (laughs) oh yeah technically speaking Uh oh god Why, you, like, do the force fields actually give you, like, a static shock? And if so, why? That f- actually feels like... Well, I mean, that one probably would in jail. A bad design for a prison. I mean, it's jail. Like, it'll yeah. be a deterrent to try and escape, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like someone who's in there who... She's going to the farm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Will we know? Yeah, we do. You'll she'll meet someone who's head. <laughs> yeah, she'll meet a giant head, and two people merge through each other. Someone who's half, half super aged, half child. So, someone with delta radiation. Uh oh, he is. I lost him. <laughs> At a little fall. Oh. Sure as hell does. I've got. I've still got like scars on my knees from like all the times I fell over as a child. <laughs> oh no! Standard wharf fell against the edge. You didn't childproof your quarters, wharf. God, Worf. He takes everything so goddamn seriously. I know. He's, he's always so hard on himself. <laughs> Get a grip. Oh, man. Yeah, I know, right? I do kind of like that, that that's Worf. It's not like that's a Klingon thing. Like, we have other Klingons turn up and they're also just like, Worf, just chill the fuck out. (laughs) He's not giving up. (laughs) I know you're planning a crime face. (laughs) Planning. Miles, this this is your happy face. This is your sad face. This is your planning a crime face. <laughs> I'm as stubborn as you. Yeah, steal a runabout. Send her back. Oh, wow. man. God, like such a yeah. I mean, I think that's. Do you do you reckon that this is this has got to be in some way like an allegory to the idea that like as a parent sometimes you just like you've got to let your kids go, like l- let them be 
who they're going to be, even if you, like... In a way, yeah. You know, don't approve or if it's not what you wanted for them. Well, That's kind of how way, I want to see it. I mean, you can see it like that, yeah. Yeah. I just see it as very sad. Yeah, I mean, it's... Again, it's like, it's, it's such a, like, unreal, like, science fiction-y kind of um, uh, situation. But, yeah, the the way they've written it and the way they've acted... Oh, there we go. There's my crimes. <laughs> crimes Just look away one. for one second and didn't notice that he was carrying this hyperspray. <laughs> yeah, like, they make this feel very, like, surprisingly real. Mm. Like, you can kind of... You can really tell... Stop screwing things up, Jones. Who are you, random security guy? Jones ruining the party. Ah, oh, yes. Conveniently leave us. Mm. Come on, Odoo. Oh, Odo. Yeah, good guy, Odo. I like that, though. It's like, I'm disappointed in you. You suck at doing <laughs> I, crime. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I didn't think you would have gotten caught. <laughs> <laughs> I tried not to catch you. <laughs> you were just that bad a criminal. Plan your, plan, plan your crimes better, bro. <laughs> Now go through that hole and don't come back again. I've I've scienced the science inator. It's a science inator. <laughs> it now, is Molly, funny though. You've like lived all ten the... years, you've, you've lived ten years in the wild. Now I'm going to show you this magical stuff. Yeah, that you're totally going to understand. It is funny though. All of the like techno babble throughout star trek having gone to like science conferences and stuff that have a, a bit kind of broader ranging field than what i know and like you know listening to a a, a talk that's like very heavy on like biochemistry and stuff like that mm -hmm. it it could just be complete random techno babble like oh i totally agree with that just, like my honors seminars that i was just had to sit through for our proposals there was like yeah. all talk about biology stuff and i'm like i got absolutely no bloody idea what you're on about Learn stuff though, and you're right. Mm. It could just be techno babble. Like, I'm sure whenever we eventually do an episode about about trill symbiotes, and I start going on about like uh, endophytic fungal uh, symbiotic mutualism, <laughs> this is so sad. Oh my god. Yep. Three hundred years in the future. That's though. really sweet. 
I think like this is a. Aww. Aww. This is a like honestly, this is a way better episode than I think I gave it credit for when yeah, thinking about it before. I think so too. It's 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 so emotional. It's such a great acting performance by all three of these actors. And then there's this, you know, the the surprising tension of this final scene. Mm. I like that she's like, oh, we have the same bracelet. I don't understand how this has happened, but okay. Oh wait, yes I do. Yep, through through this thing. They went, they put it straight back to the time. No! Don't you I know. dare! Just Miles, like, no! Wait! <laughs> Just like hold off for one moment. Quick kick mini Molly through. <laughs> Just like yeet! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I was saying before, like, Hanahate is still kind of somewhat active on social media and sort of kind of still actively part of, like, the community of of Star Trek actors. No. And then she disappears. I'd kind of love to see her turn up again if, if they were to, like, revisit Deep Space Nine, like, see what Molly is doing now that she's actually, like, in her 20s or something. Yeah. I don't know if anything was done on that, um, what we left behind about Molly. I haven't seen it because Australia. I can't remember. We should definitely talk about that, though. One day. Yeah. My, brain, my child's got brain damage now, but it's okay. I mean, kids, kids bang into things all the time. Exactly. My nephew ran into a glass pane the other day and I thought it was hilarious. Oh, God. Gong, gong, gong. Oh, Wolf. <laughs> well, this is a private matter between a 14-month-old. Secret men's business. We are now from the house of Gung Gung Gung. <laughs> Insult the O'Briens? Never. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Ah, you had an impression, Worf. 
Come on, Molly, do a better picture. I <laughs> like that there's just the, this... I mean, surely you don't need a hearing anymore. <laughs> well, I like that there's just this, like, throwaway remark. It's just like, yep, there's going to be a hearing because I did steal a runabout. Oh, this isn't into the hearing for um, Molly attacking the Tar- Tarkalian. I, maybe that's involved as well. I don't know. Hmm. This is the first and last we ever hear of that. <laughs> hmm. Well, this does look like a better picture. <laughs> oh my god, is it a big dandelion? Ah, oh, the smiley tree. He's like, no, I don't, Molly. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not traumatised at all by my experience Wow Yeah, God, all of these th- th- Like this episode is is Slightly reset button-y, obviously Like they get original Molly back And I feel like You know, the, the effects That this could have on them Just kind of aren't really there Through the rest of it well, I mean, it's a st- <laughs> it's problem as you can you could call it like a standard Voyager episode, really. It it does have that feeling to it. Yeah, it, it, it could have happened to Naomi Wildman, and you know, nothing happened. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> no, look, it's it was a much better episode than I th- remember it being. Again, I've as listeners probably don't remember. I've only watched through Deep Space Nine all the way through once, and then I've seen multiple episodes a fair few times because they're good. And obviously being through Netflix, you just binge watch them, so you don't fully remember everything. And this episode, I was pretty much like, eh, whatever. But, you know, it was actually not as bad as I thought it was, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, there there was a lot of emotion through Keiko, especially Keiko. Yeah, no, this is it, this is you know not a, a a bad episode at all. I think it's it probably just maybe falls by the wayside a little bit because it's surrounded by you know everything around the the end of the Dominion War. Yeah, and it's it's kind of nice to have this this one in there where it is. Yeah, what am I trying to say about it? <laughs> I feel like you were continuing. Also, you should see these notes that I've made. None. <laughs> Same. Absolutely none. I was just enjoying watching the vid- watching the episode. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's it's a Mars O'Brien episode. Mars O'Brien suffers the loss of his daughter, and then it gets reset, kind of like how he goes through that hard time episode, and yeah, things get reset, or Keiko's taken over by an alien, then it's reset, mm. <laughs> you know. But it, it it shows a play on family that's not just from you know, like Cisco's side. It is sort of like Mars O'Brien's visitor in a way it kind of is yeah in a in a very different sort of way but yeah it it does you know they did this really well with throughout all of deep space nine i think as opposed to you know like next generation you have wesley who's just in it and the fact that he is you know the son of dr crusher is a little bit tangential to his stories a lot of the time. He's kind yeah. of just there to be this pain in the ass, smart but slightly annoying teenager. Um, and then Alexander is just there 
because they wrote him in and they wrote themselves into a hole um, and couldn't figure out what how, what to do with him. But, like, I feel like they really, like, worked with the fact that they had families on board the station in Deep Space Nine. So they're like, what kind of situations can we have these characters in? And it's, you know, it happens so often where, you know, cases like this where O'Brien is forced to, you know, he breaks regulations breaks the law puts his career on the line for the sake of his daughter and his family um Mm. and you know there are times when i can't think of any off the top of my head surely there are times when cisco has to do that as well um and then obviously there's you know when they all evacuate deep space nine at the end of season five when the dominion take over and jake stays behind and we we see the repercussions of these things so yeah yeah this is a this is a good episode for that it it shows off that what they were able to do in kind of creating much more like family focused situations. I think it's a real hallmark of Deep Space Nine because I can't think of any of the episodes in the other shows that have that have dove into it to this extent. Probably couldn't say that better myself, really. <laughs> I, I, what you said, <laughs> right? Uh, well, that was something that I never thought I'd be watching for a long time that episode so that was that was good. same yeah like it's it has some kind of been one of those ones that i just skip past if i were doing like a, a curated rewatch which is mostly mm. what i've been doing recently like like you i have watched through the entire series once and i so there are still some episodes that i've only seen once um i think most of them i have now seen multiple times out yeah. of order I've seen a fair few random ones out of order, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely say that. Yeah, this is this is an episode that I would generally miss as well, and I'm glad we actually managed to watch it for this as our first commentary style episode for the Vedic Assembly. Yeah, shall we wrap this one up, dear Nicholas? I think so. That was a nice a nice quick one. It's a nice easy one because we didn't have yeah. to do any research. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean we we decided at the end of the last recording that we were going to talk about this episode uh and it wasn't until i think it was just a couple of days ago liam that you you messaged us and i'm like hey should we do this as a commentary and i was like yeah cool yeah well that's because i didn't have time to watch it <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i i just i watched it last week i think i was just like mm, i'll give it a go mm. So, thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and I record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly. And please also join us in our listeners community called The Nexus. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you should find it. On there, you'll be able to keep up with all of the shows on the Holosuite Media Network. Plus, also get your comments read out on the air for new episodes of Lower Decks and Star Trek Discovery when it returns in a couple of weeks. You can find me, Liam, on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting... Oh, damn, I almost got all the way through without breaking it. Ah, so close. (laughs) 
And you can find Brandy on this network hosting Boldly Go, our Strange New Worlds podcast, and What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast, and she's also on Twitter at BrandyWine12, Brandy with an I and 12 is a number. You can also find her on so many other things that I am not going to list them. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Holosuite Media Network. Vedics, disassemble! This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. Oh wait, it's okay now. Wait, they're scanning again! <laughs> that was fun. Does the classic Warbird look thicker than it used to in TOS? Like, I noticed in Picard it looked a little thicker to me, and then it still looked thicker here in Lower Decks too. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But to your point, I do remember thinking it felt bulkier to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like thick. Like T-H-I-C-C. Romulan thick. Yeah. Thick thighs. (laughs) Yes. Save lives. (laughs) Okay. Loading Holosuite preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Before that timepiece stopped working. Mm-hmm, that really because ugly, he saw it in the shop window. That really ugly timepiece. When I first watched it, I thought, okay, yes, this is a clock that maybe somebody puts on their desk or mm-hmm. on a wall somewhere. But later we see somebody pull the same thing out of their pocket. Do they not have watches? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like one of those like huge clunky mobile phones that all they ever did was like call people. It's like, nope, this is just a big clock for my pocket. It's something that Flavor Flav should be wearing around his neck. It's that big and obnoxious. Is that a clock in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> oh, no, no, it's it's just a clock. It's most definitely a clock. <laughs> Loading Holosuite preview program for What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Because we all kind of have that, really. We all have this unconscious part of ourselves that comes to the forefront and says nope Mm -hmm. yeah we have an adrenal response and so is it similar to that i mean are there kelpians that have stage fright and so the little ganglia will come up if they have to do public speaking (laughs) it's it's like probably we just don't know yeah Yeah, if they if they had plays (laughs) didn't seem like they really had that kind of entertainment down on kaminar computer deactivate holosuite Shh.